refreshed after the baby shower yesterday, which was great. So, yeah, Lord, we thank you for Stu, Lord. I'll just bless him now, we pray, as he ministers your word. Amen. Wow, what a great morning. My goodness me. It's so good to be here. Good morning, everybody. It's nice to see you all looking so fresh and excited and happy to be here because it is a good day. It's a good day. Thank you to the worship team for leading us this morning. It was a just really powerful time uh, to, to connect and celebrate Jesus together. So yes, yesterday was uh, an exciting day for April and myself to, to celebrate with you, our spiritual family here in Abergavenny, and uh, just to, to be excited to welcome our little baby Zoe into the world in however many days or weeks she decides to come. Um, and so, yes, thank you so much so just for being part of this family. You guys really do bless us, and we are so encouraged uh, by, by your, your friendship and, and just being one with us in, uh, in this adventure. And so I am I'm looking forward to worshiping with my little girl in a few weeks. So, um, this morning, I'm going to share a, a word with us about worship, and I'm, I'm really excited about this word. Um, as, as I was preparing uh, for, for this, this, this time, um, there were just so many things that the Lord was showing me about worship, and I'm not even going to try to cover everything uh, about worship. Uh, worship this morning because it's the, it, it's a full module in a Bible school, right? There's there's you can cover so much, and we've got 20 minutes before Alad starts shaking his finger at me and telling me I need to wrap up. So yeah, I can see that finger. Thank you. <laughs> bless you, bless you, my son. <laughs> right. So there, there is so much to cover, um, but I thought I'd just sort of touch on some points and try and encourage us, and maybe. Um, show you something that you didn't know or encourage you to try something that you haven't tried before or go somewhere in worship that you haven't gone before. Um, so I pray that the Holy Spirit would just keep our hearts open this morning and, uh, and, and be gracious to us. Um, there were just two words before I start. Irene, uh, there you are. Uh, the Lord really gave me a word for you as I was preparing for this morning's message, and it comes from Psalm chapter 2, and it's where the Father is telling Jesus um, that He will give the nations as, as, his, as His inheritance. And I really felt Jesus saying, Irene, if you will pray for the nations, I will give you the nations as your inheritance. So just bless you with that. And Mike, where's Mike? There you are, Mike. Mike, I just, I really felt the Lord saying the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I am so blessed by this couple. Mike and Adina are just such an amazing blessing to our family. And uh, in terms of, in the context of worship, you know, they live a life of worship. I love the, the worship attitude that is around Mike and Adina. In everything that they do, in everything that they say, in all of their actions, in all of their words, they carry with them a spirit of worship because they do to us in service as though they are serving the Lord, right? And that is worship. 
that is a, a component of worship. And I really am so blessed by the two of you. And I just want to say thank you for serving in the house of God and for not just serving in the house of God, but to the, the people out there. You serve with such joyful hearts. And I just want to say, Mike, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So bless you. You know, Psalm 100, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, We enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. And that kind of just phrases a little bit about how we, one of the aspects of how we come into God's presence, how we enter His gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a, it's a state of being, right? Thanksgiving is a heart position. It's not something that I just do when I receive a gift and I say thank you or where somebody serves me my meal at a restaurant and I say thank you. It's not just me saying thank you. Thanksgiving is an attitude of the heart. It's something that we live by every day. It's a way in which we interact with the world. And so I encourage you to develop a heart of thanksgiving. Why? Because it says in that psalm, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. That means that those gates are open when we have a thankful heart, when we come with thanksgiving, recognizing all that he has done for us, those gates are opened, right? And then it goes on, and we get into his courts with praise. Now, you can imagine, let's just imagine, um, you know, a, a royal family, King Charles, uh, he, he has gates at Buckingham Palace, and he has an inner court where his throne is, right? And God has the same thing. He has gates, and he has a court, and his throne is in the court. And we read all about his throne in Revelation 19. And I, I, I'm so sorry to the guys on the slides. I am going to jump around um, like I always do. So if we can jump to that slide, please, um, about uh, uh, Revelation chapter 19. Honestly, guys, this is the most amazing scripture. Revelation chapter 19 is a phenomenal chapter in the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is what that book is called, that last book in the New Testament, the last book of the Bible, the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ. And in this book, in chapter 19, you read the whole chapter, and, and guys, it will blow your mind. It is such a beautiful chapter. But there's a couple of verses near the end that, in just a few verses, tells us who Jesus is. And it's, it's these things. He is the one who is faithful and true. He is the one who judges and makes war. He is the one with eyes like blazing fire. He is the one who is crowned with many crowns. The one with the unknowable name that only he himself knows. The one who is called the Word of God. He is the one who rules the nations, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. That is who Jesus is. Amen. That is who Jesus is. Now, that is the one who saved us. That is the one that the Father sent to earth to die on the cross 
to forgive our sins, who was raised on the third day, who was ascended into heaven, and who rules for all eternity. That is Jesus. That is Him. And that is the one, He is the one whom we worship. Now, if you, if you think about this, if you think about what, what is worship, what, what is worship? And so let's, let's go back to that, that first slide that tells us what, what is worship. Um, so, Ken, I, I think it might be slide one, the one after that one. Yes, let's go to that one. This is Mike Pellavacci. Um, many of you may know his ministry. Uh, really, really great minister of the word, especially with young people. And, and Mike Pellavacci says this, there is room for only one star of the show, one celebrity, one hero in the Christian faith, and his name is Jesus. That is why you and I are here today. We're not here because Stuart has a great way of speaking, or because the worship is awesome, the, the, the music, or because the room is great, or because we have good friends here, or because, uh, you know, there's teas and coffees afterwards, or because it's a place where our kids can go downstairs and, and we can get a few minutes break. That's not why we're here. We are here for the star of the show, Jesus. He is the reason that we are here. He is the reason that our hearts worship. He is the reason that we have breath in our lungs. Because it, it, the Word says, by His Word we are sustained. Jesus is the Word of God. Therefore, it is by Jesus that our breath is sustained. And when we worship the star of the show, let's read about it. Revelation chapters 4 and 5 talk about the four living creatures, the 24 elders, the 10,000 times 10,000 angels, that's a lot of zeros, and every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea are the supporting cast. We reflect the Creator. We reflect His glory. We honor and give thanks to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Creator of heaven and earth. He is the star of the show. He is the one who is worthy of our honor and our glory and our praise, our worship and our thanksgiving, our devotion. So the next slide, um, we, we, we talk about, um, if you go to the next one, please, Ken. Uh, worship, this is Louis Giglio. Um, many of you may know his ministry. Louis Giglio has some really fantastic uh, uh, teachings and, and really exciting ways of revealing some truth uh, to us through the Scripture and through science. And, and Louis says this. He says, worship is the activity of the human soul. Let's just stop there for a moment. Worship is the activity of the human soul. Shopping is not the activity of the human soul, <laughs> right? The internet is not the activity of the human soul. Work 
is not the activity of the human soul. Worship is the activity of the human soul. We are made to worship. Worship is our response to what we value the most. So, let's go back. Shopping, the internet, work. If those are the things that consume our time, then I would challenge us that those are the things that are consuming our worship. Where does Jesus fit into that? I know this might be quite a ouch challenge, but it is a reality because we are created to worship. So where is our focus, friends? Where is our focus? Is our focus on worshiping God? How much time in our week do we spend in worship? How much time in the week do we spend worshiping God, giving Him thanks, just saying, God, you know, I'm just so thankful for you. I'm so grateful for what you've done. God, you are amazing. God, thank you for the ability to go shopping. Thank you for the income that you provided for me. Thank you for the job that I have. Thank you for this family that you've provided me. That's worship. When we, when we put Jesus in his right place amidst all the good things that he has given us. That doesn't mean shopping is wrong. It doesn't mean work is wrong. It just says, where is your priority? Is the priority on the work or is the priority on the one who gives you that work? Is, is your priority the shopping, or is your priority on the one who makes you able to go shopping, who gives you the resources to go shopping? He is the one that we worship. Worship, in essence, is declaring what we value most. As a result, worship fuels our actions, becoming the driving force of all we do. I love Hayden. Hayden is one of my favorite men in this church, and his life is a picture of worship. His life reflects his relationship with his Lord. His life reflects the joy of the Lord, the passion that Jesus has for us. You've never met a more passionate man for everything that he does. I would imagine Belinda sometimes thinks, oh my, wow. But honestly, I'm, I'm right, aren't I, Belinda? <laughs> no comment. No comment. But it's true. He is a passionate man because he has put Jesus first. His world revolves around Jesus. He loves his wife, but his wife is second. Jesus is first place in this man's life. How do I know that? I've spent time with him. I know Hayden. He loves Jesus. His passion, his worship is what drives him to be a great husband, to be a wonderful dad and an awesome grandfather, a super brother in Christ. It's his worship of Jesus that centers him. It's amazing. Right, okay. So, when we, you know, 
God calls us to worship, right? That's, that's, our, that's our calling. So, Ken, I think there's a slide that, um, that has a scripture on it about God calling us to worship, right? And um, he's basically saying, I, th- th- this is who I'm looking for, and, and it's Jesus speaking, and he says, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Jesus has established a pattern in what he said there. He's given us a clue. He's given us a key. What does a key do? It unlocks a door. It unlocks a truth. And the key is worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So when there is a key and there is a door, there has to be a response. So on the next slide, our response is this. Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. Right? St. Augustine. That is our response. Our response is until we engage with Father in spirit and in truth, in worship, we will have a restlessness in us. So let me ask you, are you restless today? Is there a restlessness in your spirit? Respond to God as St. Augustine encourages us to use that key to worship God the Father in spirit and in truth, unlock that door, enter the gates with thanksgiving, and find peace, find rest for your soul. Blaise Pascal, a French scientist, mathematician, he says it this way, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man and woman and child which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only God, the creator, made known through Jesus. That is a powerful truth. Powerful truth. So our response is this. Worship God. It's simple. I've used a lot of complicated words. I've used a lot of examples. But it's simple. Worship God. Worship God. Where do you worship God? How do you worship God? Well, one way... We come to church on a Sunday, and we have what we know as what we call a time of worship, right? But that is corporate worship. That is where we as a body, brothers and sisters in Jesus, come together and corporately worship the Father. And we have different styles and different expressions in worship together, And so this morning, as we were being led in worship by the worship team, and we were engaging in spirit and in truth with the Father, we had some times where we were clapping, and some times where we were raising our hands, and some times where we were singing, and some times where there was music. And all of these different styles are just expressions of worship, expressions of worship that we use on a Sunday morning. But whoever said 
that worship is restricted to a Sunday morning. Nobody. Nobody ever said that worship can only happen on a Sunday morning in congregational or corporate worship. In fact, Jesus said, the time is coming and is already here where we are called to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And we are called to do that in our daily walks, whether on our own or with our families or in our workplaces or in our schools or as we're driving the car. We have opportunity to worship all the time. Now, that doesn't mean that while I'm driving my car, I'm going to be jumping up and down and clapping my hands because I, I, I fear the traffic uh, enforcement agents might have something to say about that. But how many of you turn on... I'm not going to mention any radio stations because that might show my age. But you turn on a radio station and you sing along. How many of you do that in the car? If you're honest, I think most of you would put your hands up at some point. You've sung in the car, right? What a great place you've got between point A and point B to put some music on and worship Jesus with that music. Or if you don't have a tape deck or a CD player, or an MP3 player, or Wi-Fi in your car, then you don't even need the music. You've got this thing, the voice. And the great thing in the car, unless it is somebody else with you, it doesn't matter how badly you sing, because you can lift up a joyful noise unto the Lord, yeah? <laughs> Use every moment, use every avenue to worship God. So what I've done is I've put a few slides together, and I think there's six of them, just to give you some ideas of ways in which you can worship, some styles or expressions of worship. And these styles or expressions uh, come from words, Hebrew words, that are used in the Old Testament. So remember, the Bible is written in two parts. We've got the Old Testament and we've got the New Testament. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written largely in Greek and Aramaic. But in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, I love the Hebrew language, and this is not going to be a, a, a grammar lesson for anybody, but it's exciting because the Hebrew language is such a picturesque language. And the words in Hebrew have such, um, such scope to them. They're so wide. They're so explanatory and expressive and descriptive. And when we read the Old Testament, often the English translations of our Bible will say, and so-and-so praised the Lord. And so-and-so lifted up worship to God. And so-and-so praised. And so-and-so worshipped. And so-and-so praised. And so-and-so worshipped. But, so we've got two words, praise and worship in English. We're kind of limited in 
the words that we can use. But in the Hebrew, the, the word for worship or the word for praise, they had at least 15 different words for worship and about 30 words for praise. And each word carried with it a different expression, a different way, a different outworking. And so I'm just going to pick six. The first one is the word baruch. Baruch is a word that means to kneel in adoration, to bless. So where the Old Testament would write, um, you know, uh, so-and-so baruched. I'm sure it wasn't that way. So-and-so baruched means they, they went on their knees and they praised God. They expressed this in body language, in their expression of their body position. Lord, I am just so humbled and amazed by your goodness and your glory and your holiness. My legs turn to jelly. I can't stand All I can do is come to my knees and praise you. Baruch. That's a way that you can worship. So on a Sunday morning, sometimes you may see people on their knees. They're not having a coronary. They are expressing in physical action something that their heart and their mouth are incapable of expressing. And so in their physical body, they are going to their knees to say, Lord, you are good. So there's nothing wrong with going onto your knees, whether in a corporate setting or whether at home, preferably not in the car. (laughs) Preferably not in the car, unless you're stopped with the handbrake on. Baruch, another word. And I'm sure you've all heard this word before, halal. And this is not how a food is prepared. Halal is is the root of a Hebrew word from which we get our not-so-English word, hallelujah. Right? I'm sure you've said hallelujah at some point in your life, expressing something. And what is this? Hallelujah is to boast, to shine, to celebrate, to be, I love this one, to be clamorously foolish. This word is used about 160 times in the Old Testament in different places. And all we read is, so-and-so praised. But actually, it means to be clamorously foolish, to be exuberant, to raise your hands and jump and shout and twirl around and say, God, you're good. What amazing king you are. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me your son. Thank you for bringing me into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Halle, halal, to boast. Yah, God. To boast, halle, in God, Yah. Yah, J-A-H, Yah, Yahweh, Yahweh. Halle, 
to boast. Yah, Yahweh, hallelujah, in God. Isn't that amazing? We get to boast in God. Why would you boast in God? Because he is amazing. We read in Revelation chapter 19 that Jesus was all those things. How can you not boast in somebody that you know personally who is all of those things, the star of the show? You want to worship him. You want to praise him. You want to boast in him. Right, the next one, Shabbat. Right, I can say all of these guttural things because I'm South African. Hey, Peter. Actually, you're Welsh, so, you know, you, you, you've got the good guttural uh, sounds here as well. So, shabach. Shabach is to shout, to command glory, to triumph in God. We sang a song earlier about the victory in Jesus. Guys, the Christian faith is a victorious faith. The Christian faith is an overcoming faith. If we live our lives in defeat, if we live our lives in despair, if we live our lives in desperation, I fear there's something wrong with your theology. Because Jesus is a conquering king. He is an overcomer. And he calls us to be overcomers. Nothing is impossible for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Hayden, I'm spitting all over this microphone, so I'm so sorry. You can, you can use uh, um, somebody else. Louise, you got a microphone? Maybe you, yeah. I'll sanitize it before next week. Alad? So sorry. I can't help it. Shabbat. I mean, even in saying the word. Next slide. Tehillah. Tehillah is to sing. Now, this seems a little bit odd because very often... Worship, in our, perhaps in our Western mindsets, implies singing. What do we do when we come to worship on a Sunday morning? Or when the worship team on a Thursday evening come to practice? What are they doing? They're going to practice singing. They're going to practice playing their instruments. On a Sunday morning, we're going to sing. And so we've kind of gotten into this rut that unless I sing, I'm not worshiping. Guys, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You do not have to sing to worship. Singing is just one expression of worship. Shouting, kneeling, boasting, those are all expressions of worship. So sometimes we can't sing 
But there are other ways of worshiping. Let's go back a few months to COVID. And we were told, you may not sing in church. And I know a lot of Christians got really uptight and uppity. But let me tell you, they were telling us you can't sing, but they didn't say you can't worship. Just because you can't sing or are not allowed to sing, and I can't sing, my wife can sing, but I, I try. But on occasion, I, I literally can't get anything out of my mouth. So what do I do? I can still worship. Is that a finger wag? No, it's not. Close. Is, is it close? Oh, bless you, Alan. Sanitizing wipes. Hallelujah. Sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. Thank you. Thank you. Worship singing. So guys, if you can't sing, worship some other way. Find another outlet, find another route, find another expression that works for you in that moment. You don't have to sing to worship. Worship is a variety of expressions. And the same is true for one of these others, and we'll get to it in a moment. But let's go to the next one, Tauda. Tauda is to raise one's hands in adoration, to extend your hands in thanksgiving. This is used over 30 times in the Old Testament. Raising your hands. Why do we raise our hands in worship, in corporate worship on a Sunday morning? It's because we're wanting to express, God, I'm, I'm so excited. I love you. You're amazing. I'm reaching up to heaven. And I'm saying, God, see my, see my hands, see my heart, see my position before you. You are incredible. We lift our hands. We raise our hands. We tauder. We extend our hands in adoration. The next one is yada. This is not yada, 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 yada. Thank you, April. I cannot now read this without. Yada. Yada means to extend your hands in worship. It's slightly different to tauda, which is extend your hands in adoration. And to, to yada is used over a hundred times. And it's basically saying, God, I reach for you. I reach for you. In whatever way my heart can extend itself out to you, I reach for you. You are my source. You are my life. You are the essence of who I am and why I exist. Lord, I want you. I need you. And the last one that I'm going to share with us this morning is the word zamar. Zamar. And zamar is the way of 
of expressing worship with instruments. So again, what happens if you show up here on a Sunday morning and those drums are not there? And so Nick has nothing to play. And these guitars are not here. And this keyboard is not here. And all you have up here on the platform is a choir. Are you going to say, well, I can't worship today. There's no music. And you have to have music to worship. Well, no. You don't have to have music to worship. Music is but one expression of worship. It's the zamar to make music, to, to touch the strings of a stringed instrument. But you can still worship through speaking, through declaration, through shouts of praise, through clapping of your hands. You don't have to have music. Music is just one expression, one way of saying, God, you're amazing. And we have amazing musicians with great talent. And I love when they worship and they lead us with, with music. But guys, unless we have a practice in our homes, in our cars, with our families, of, of worshiping in ways that we can't worship on a Sunday morning because we don't have a full band in our cupboards, right? Maybe you don't play an instrument. I don't. I've never played an instrument. But I can worship. And so, friends, I want to encourage us. I'm just about done, so... If Helen would like to come up and make music. Zamar. Zamar. Well, not quite Zamar, because that's strings. And that's not te well, technically, that is, a, is, it, is, it, is a piano a stringed instrument? A real one is. So, yes, this would be Zamar-ish. Techno. Te techno Zamar. Friends... I want us to be encouraged this morning to live a life of worship. Transform your mind. That's what Romans 12 tells us. Transform your mind. Allow your mind to be transformed to think differently, to look at worship in a fresh way, to engage in worship in a fresh way. Whether it's in your car, whether it's driving, whether it's taking these kids to school, whether it's walking down the street, whether it's in your prayer closet at home, whether you're falling asleep at night or waking up in the morning, let worship be what stirs you 
to action. Let worship stir you in your walk with Jesus. He says, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So I encourage you, let's take the step together. I'm not saying that next week we won't have instruments and musicians up here on a Sunday morning, although who knows what will happen next week because we have baptism. But let's express to God worship in whatever ways we can. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. What an awesome 